0: This is the Hong Kong Football Podcast. Kowloon, Kowloon, Hong Kong. We like Hong Kong. That's a place for you.
1: When we are back again, you are listening to Hong Kong's premier weekly English language local football podcast coming to you from Kowloon, Hong Kong, in a week in which the only way to rock the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup was to bring in Chuck Yu Kwok, but maybe still the biggest shock is to see Diego Forlan in Mong Kok. This is the second episode of the new year and we already got plenty to talk about. Big transfer news, the impressive victory in the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup, Premier League action and so on. So stay with us. My name as always is Tobias Sousa. Unfortunately I'm again by myself today. James Black had a slight delay and should be back next week. But thanks to modern communication technology I was able to get his take on some of the hottest news items as well. But before we talk about the football, I'm afraid I have to address the elephant in the room. Yes, it is true. Diego Forlan is on his way to Hong Kong to join Kichi in their Asian Champions League campaign. This is arguably the biggest signing for a Hong Kong team since Nicky Butt joined South China a couple of years ago. But it might be one that has as many upsides as it has downsides. And we will talk about this a bit later in the show today and I'm sure also in the weeks ahead. For now... Let's turn to the action in the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup, which took place last week over two legs, starting with the home game on January 4th in Hong Kong Stadium. A crowd of more than 5,000 people came out to watch that game on a Thursday night, and I'm sure no one really had any reason to regret this, because it was a very impressive performance of the Hong Kong team, a B team, let's not forget, due to Kim Bang-Gon's sudden departure Kenneth Kroc took over the management of the team and he started with a quite unconventional lineup: So Tsui Wan-kit and Cheng Chuyung as center backs. Cheng was also team captain. In the midfield you had Wu Chunming and Wong Zi-ho and up front in the attack there was Cheng Jin-lung on the left, Lai Lok Yin on the right and Lo Kong wai up front. I would probably say it was a game at eye level with Guangdong and Hong Kong both having an equal number of chances. Actually, Guangdong maybe came closer to open the score with very good opportunities thanks to some of their stars like Chu and Chen Zhao. And although they hit the post, it was not enough for them. But then the second half, the tides changed a bit, especially after coach Kenneth Kwok brought in Chuck Yu Kwok, accompanied by fans chanting his name from the stands. There was a lot of expectations for Chuck Yu Kwok returning to the Hong Kong national team. As you know, he is known as a bit of a bad boy. But as we know, there's also the saying, no Kwok, no party. And this was really true on that day. Once Kwok came in, Hong Kong had a couple of chances. And right after a scramble in the box, Hong Kong scored the first goal thanks to Cheng Yung, And then two minutes in at a time it was Kwok himself who scored the second goal of the day after a solo run on the left. I think originally he was thinking of crossing the ball into the middle but that didn't work out. The ball came back to him and he just netted it himself. A great return for Chakgyu Kwok into the national team. He was very happy after the game. Uh, A lot of fans celebrated with him and definitely a very, very deserved appearance for him. And honestly, I hope that we see more of him in the national team. And I think he really justified again that he really should be in there and given the departure of Kim bang Gon, who was not a big fan of his, maybe that's actually his chance for a return to the Hong Kong national team. It would be good to see him. He's just 23 years of age. Yeah, maybe he had some disciplinary issues in the past, but uh, I think he deserves a second chance, especially if he really delivers. I'm still struggling like how I would call this uh, special impact that he has. Maybe I will call it the Quok effect or something like this. Uh, it's interesting also that he is now a bit regarded as the successor of another C7 because he carries number seven. As you know, Chen Xiu-Ki, who had the number seven in South China and also the national team, has been a legend in Hong Kong football. But he might soon see the end of his career. And maybe Chak yu also carrying the number seven might be his worthy replacement in the national team in the near future. So hopes were high, of course, after Hong Kong winning the first 2-0 like, going with a two-goal advantage into the second leg in Guangzhou. And the original plan of coach Kenneth Guok was to concede no goals in Guangdong. But unfortunately, this didn't work out. Hong Kong conceded a penalty in the first half, scored by Lu Lin, the r player and then also scored an own goal in the second half, which eventually saw the game level at 2-2, and both teams had to go in extra time. But neither Hong Kong nor Guangdong could make use of this added extra time of 30 minutes, and the game eventually went into the penalty shootout. And there it was Hong Kong, who had... Maybe more luck, but also the better goalkeeper Ho Chun saved two penalties. The Pegasus goalkeeper who came a bit under criticism, I remember, by James so far in this podcast. But I think about both games, he showed a very, very good performance. And we could be hopeful that he might be able to really join the ranks of a top goalkeeper in Hong Kong. This time Chak-Yu Kwok came in at the end of the game didn't really have the same impact as in the first game Uh, he missed his penalty in the end during the shootout but still um, overall a very good performance for him and a great return to the national team. Now this meant that after 5 years Hong Kong won again the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup in fact it was the 40th anniversary edition of this particular tournament it also makes it the 16th win in total for Hong Kong compared to the 24 wins of the Guangdong FA selection. So, we're already looking forward to next year when we have again this annual tournament. And to be honest, for me, it has become a bit of a highlight because, first of all, you can see a very local and talented Hong Kong team, which is different from the senior team in the style they're playing and also in the selection of the players. And at the same time, you still have the same excitement from the fans. I was very impressed by the showings of the fans, both in Hong Kong and in Guangdong. They actually had some problems, as it turned out, to get the away tickets in Guangdong. But in the end, they sorted it out somehow to buy regular tickets and then join the away fans. And in fact, they had a long time to celebrate, a big win for Hong Kong, five years of waiting finally over. Congratulations from the Hong Kong Football Podcast to this special team and to all the guys who made this happening and we hope that they can repeat a similar success next year as well. Now, the game also had some real consequences. As we have discussed before, it was speculated that some of the Chinese clubs will use this tournament to look for potential players from Hong Kong to join the teams because the Chinese Football Association just changed regulation, allowing one player from Hong Kong, Macau, or Taiwan. And it was just announced this Wednesday, January 10th, that Cho Yuan Kit, the defender of Rangers, has been signed by Meizhou Hakka in China League One. You probably remember the team from Li Ho, who played there for some time. And also, uh, Yongqing Kuang used to be assistant coach at Meizhou Hakka. So that's a great signing for Choi Wan Kid. He's just 21 years old at the moment. He can play, I think, left back and center back positions. And I've also heard Meizhou don't have a lot of good defenders so he might actually get a lot of playing time there as well if everything works out. It is also speculated that he will earn around seven to eight times more than he did at Rangers so um, that's definitely a great career step for him and we wish him best of luck. It is also rumored that Kwok has been approached by a Chinese team and we are actually expecting a few more transfer news in this regard over the next couple of weeks when the China League 1 teams are preparing for the next season. And I'm sure they have a couple of players now from Hong Kong on their radar, um, particularly after this impressive performance in the Guangdong-Hong Kong Cup. Now, before I'm going to talk more about all the goings-on in Hong Kong football with transfer news, with Asian Champions League preparations and so on, I would like co-host James Leck to join this conversation and I will have him on after this short break. The Hong Kong Football Podcast comes out every Wednesday. You can make sure you never miss our latest show by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher or wherever else you get your podcasts. Now, of course, everyone these days talks about the big signing of Kichi Diego Forlan, the Uruguayan international striker, already 38 years of age, but coming back from retirement just for this last stint with Kichi and ahead of their first Asian Champions League campaign. I think it's fair to say that Diego Forlan is a superstar in football in a category that is rarely seen in Hong Kong. He has played for the likes of Manchester United, Atletico Madrid, Inter Milan, and then approaching the end of his career, he also played in Japan at Cerezo Osaka and eventually in Mumbai City in 2016. Um, what's maybe a bit worrying is that his last competitive game was in, I think, December 2016. So he hasn't really played competitive football for one year. And he's yet to see if he still got it. But, I mean, hopes are high. It's at Diego Volan at the end of the day. I think it's fair to say that there are high expectations now that he might make the Tech more dangerous, especially in the ACL, where they will face very, very strong competition. What we also know is that uh, Volan is expected to arrive in Hong Kong on Thursday afternoon with an Emirates flight. And uh, This has all been announced, so it is already expected that fans will wait for him in the arrival hall of Hong Kong International Airport, and then he will appear in the first press conference on Friday and then will join the training of Kichi on Saturday. It is also known that he will carry the number 18. And for everyone who is interested in how much money this might cost for Kichi, uh, there's no official announcement, but it is speculated that he earned somewhat around 500000 to 800000 a month, which is in the same level what Nicky Bud earned back in the days of South China. But as I've hinted on earlier, there is a lot to talk about, a lot to analyze about this big transfer, the biggest one that Hong Kong has seen for a while. There are a lot of downsides, a lot of upsides to it. And I think that we will discuss it quite controversially over the next weeks. And the best would be if we can discuss it together in the studio. But James Lag is not here. But nonetheless, I asked him before I recorded this podcast about his opinion on this very big transfer. And let's see what he got to say about this.
0: Yeah, the the full-on thing is is something maybe we can talk about when we're back together in in the studio. But I I suppose my first reaction is that it probably has very little to do with football, if we're being totally honest. Uh, Kichi have got three big home matches uh, in the Asian Champions League, which are going to be played in the Hong Kong Stadium. Uh, There's not a chance that they'll fill the Hong Kong Stadium, the 40,000-seater, but I think the thinking here is just that if we can have a big name, used to play for Manchester United, uh, was player of the tournament uh, at a World Cup, that they can just get more people through the door, maybe charge a little bit more money and capitalise on what is essentially a very good money-making opportunity for the club. And we know that they won't have this opportunity next year because Hong Kong teams won't be playing in the Asia Champions League after 2018. So my main reaction is that of course it'll be nice to watch you know such a a good player who let's not forget not only done well in spain but he actually did very well you know recently in the last few years in different asian leagues that you know it'd be good to see but he's not going to be around for very long this isn't really something which is going to have a long-term impact i don't think on either kichi or on hong kong premier league it might just mean that for a few months the media will take a little bit more interest in Hong Kong football and maybe a few uh, fair-weather Hong Kong football fans will turn up for for the games, which, you know, you you can't... um, I don't want to be a snob. I don't want to be a Hong Kong football snob about this. There's nothing wrong with anything that gets more people through the doors and the... You know, gets a little bit more attention for, for the local game. But yeah, let's let's talk about this more when I'm when I'm back in the city.
1: Now, this is not everything that kitchen did on the transfer market. First there were rumors that they might sign another midfielder, but it seems that they shelved the plan because of Helio, who has not recovered as expected and might not be available for the Asian Champions League. It's uh, still no guarantee that he will be back on time. And probably this is also the reason why they're now more careful and instead of dropping any of the foreign defenders like Kim Bong Chin or Kim. They might just stick with the squad that they are having now. Diego Volan is already a big signing. And basically they should have enough players to compensate even for a loss like Helio at the moment. In addition, they have called back some of the players on loan. Most noticeable, Jordi Torres, will come back from Liman. He has now a Hong Kong passport and therefore can play for Kichi in the ACL. The same is probably the case for Dani Cancela and Nando Recio. The AFC has decided that both of these players can join Kichi in the Asian Champions League, which makes it possible for them to really field a team very very similar to what they are fielding in the Hong Kong Premier League. And theoretically, they even could field a team with basically no locally born Hong Kong players the same as they do sometimes in the Hong Kong Premier League as well. But certainly in the ACL context, that will give them a certain kind of advantage over other teams. And we certainly hope that they will make the best out of it. Aside from Jordi Torres, you also call back Cheng Jin-Lung from Dreams and Ling ai Hoi from Pegasus. So two of the youngsters. And in return, it is confirmed that Kichi will loan out Matt Lam. To Lehman. A bit of a controversial transfer, I believe. A lot of the fans were not very happy about this to see one of the fan favorites leaving Kichi mid season to another club. Um, but yeah, this is a decision that the club made, and I think that everyone has to deal with it. Besides Kichi, another team that was active already on the transfer market was Eastern. As we know, they have signed Kawasaki Frontale defender Yusuke Igawa. At the same time, Philip Chen Kwan has left Eastern. To Southern. And also, just in now, Eastern signed a new striker, 31 year old Brazilian Bruno Cesar Correa. He joins from the Thai team Air Force and is expected to join the team probably instead of Alexander Coco. It hasn't really been confirmed yet who has to leave, but they have to drop a foreigner now uh, in order to accommodate this new striker. So it is most likely Coco. is the second striker next to Manuel Bleda. That said Eastern have also made the nominations for the foreign aids for the Asian Championship qualifying game against the Vietnamese team and these four players are centre-back Yusuke Igawa, defensive midfielder Diego Eli, striker Manuel Bleda and attacking midfielder or right-wing Michel Lugo. So a bit more attacking than last year and I use this opportunity to ask James to see if he thinks that this is the right selection for the Asian Champions League.
0: Yeah, one of the interesting decisions that Eastern took in last year's Champions League campaign was to prioritise defence in, in in their. Um Selection of foreign players. You had Josh Mitchell, the centre back, Roberto Alfonso, the centre back, and Diego Eli, defensive midfielder. And the only foreign player, foreign registered player they had uh, for the tournament was Manuel Blader. And that really backfired when Blader got injured and they had to play James McKee up front on his own, which was not a great idea. So it's interesting that they've gone for uh, uh, Michel Lugo, who's, who's a great player on his day. It uh, gives them another option. It means that they're likely to be able to play Blader. And Lugo from the start in this one game against uh, the Vietnamese guys. And and I suppose it's worth pointing out that it's kind of enforced upon them anyway. I mean, they're likely to play Lee Chi Ho alongside the new Japanese centre-back at, you know, as the centre-back pairing. And so, what else are they going to do, really? <laughs> I mean, if, if, of course, they could have registered uh, Joe Tycoon, uh, Tycoon Joe, as he's also known. But... Um, no, I mean, I think this this is definitely an improvement on last time. I think they were stung a little bit with that decision to take so many defensive players in their foreign registered contingent last year. And it's, it's definitely a good decision to have more than one of your star attackers registered for the tournament.
1: And before I forget, uh, some good news. Lee Hong Lim seems to be fit again after a very long injury and should be able to join Eastern now for the remainder of the season, as well as the ACL qualifiers. But this is basically all the transfer news we've got so far. There will be plenty of more in the next few weeks because the transfer window is still open, I think, until the end of January. But you know that I have been caring a lot about the Hong Kong Guangdong Cup this last week and was really pleased with the performance and all of this so of course i wanted to know what james is thinking about it how much credit he gives to the hong kong players for this kind of achievement and yeah what he has to say uh, let's listen in
0: well as regular listeners to the hong kong football podcast know uh, you're, you're more the guy to talk about these kind of strange little tournaments the hong kong has you know i get a little bit jaded sometimes by the amount of different Setups that are you know going on, but there's no question that this is an important win for Hong Kong. If you know they haven't done it in five years. Uh, So it shows a certain amount of progress on that front. And what's interesting is that in this B team, so many of these players actually, you know, are stars for their clubs. Uh, You know, not necessarily the best clubs in Hong Kong. You know, of course, I'm thinking of people like Chucky Okwok, Leung Kwon Chung, who's, you know, a regular starter for Taipo. You know, and I think that what's going to be interesting is that at the end of this Asia Club qualifying campaign for, you know, the A team, you know, after this game in Pyongyang, depending on what happens next year, or this year, I should say, uh, now that we're into 2018, that a few of those players may actually be being called upon a little bit more regularly. We know that the heavy use of uh, naturalised players uh, is, is a policy of Kim Pang Ons, and we don't know if that's going to carry on or under whoever takes over. What we might have, especially as some of these players age, you know, uh, Festus Bays, who's probably Hong Kong's best player, he's... Forty now, you know, people like Ita who are old as well the more recently naturalised Spanish players like Jordi and Danny Cancela, even those guys aren't that young and what we might see, and this is just a bit of speculation on my part but what we might see is that these guys who are excelling in the uh, let's not say excelling these guys who have done well in the Hong Kong, Guangdong Cup might find themselves being called upon in the future to um, take a more central role in the Hong Kong national team. It's just a thought. But on the whole, uh, you know, it's great to see. It's also great to see there's a lot of enthusiasm for these games as well. Uh, n- not just from people who dislike the mainland. Uh, you know, it's quite clear, you know, especially on social media, the amount of excitement that's been generated uh, by these games, by this win. And yeah, it's good to have a good win, you know, just in and of itself uh, before you even think about the the knock-on effects. Um, And it's definitely progress. Congratulations to to that uh, Hong Kong B team.
1: Yeah, I think you made very good points. And they will definitely be some of the future players of the Hong Kong national team. Maybe something we should also mention is that the Hong Kong women's team played another Guangdong Hong Kong Cup on January 4th. Unfortunately, lost to the Guangdong ladies 2-1 in the end. But... Overall, a very respectable performance. Some of the key players for Hong Kong were missing, whereas the Guangdong selection was consisting of one of the best under 18 teams in China at the moment. So all in all, just a 2-1 loss. And who knows? Maybe next year they have a fair chance to win the trophy for the first time in the very young women's edition of the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup. And now finally, after several weeks of waiting, the Hong Kong Premier League is back again and so we are going to look ahead at the next round of the Hong Kong Premier League this weekend just after this short break. So, first of all, there will only be four instead of five games this weekend because the match between RF and Typo has been postponed to January 28th. But meanwhile, on Friday, Pegasus will take on Yunlong Long at Hong Kong Stadium at 8 pm. Pegasus have just welcomed Nikola Komasec as their new striker. So, this might be the first time back in the Hong Kong Premier League since his spell with South China last season. Yun Long have also been looking quite good in the last few weeks. Unfortunately, Tam Lok Hin has picked up an injury in the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup and might be missing for a few more weeks. And it also looks like Alexander Andelovic is not fit yet to come back to the team. So Yun Long still have problems with injuries, and it will be a tough one against Pegasus, who have been very consistent so far this season. And if I would have to make a call, I would definitely... Pegasus for this one. On Saturday, Eastern will take on Rangers at 5.30 in Mong Kok Stadium, Rangers are probably already without Chui Wang Kit, who made his transfer to Meiju Hakka in China League One. Eastern, on the other hand, have strengthened their squad. New defenders, new striker, who will hopefully have some impact to overcome the troubles of the recent months. And certainly Eastern are already in preparation mode for the Asian Champions League qualifiers. And it would be good to pick up some confidence and a game against Rangers might give this opportunity. Um, Certainly Eastern are still the favorites in this one. And we'll be surprised if they cannot pick up the three points at home on Saturday. On Sunday, there are two more games. Lehman versus Dreams at Cenguano SportsCount at 2.30. Interesting because we have just seen this fixture a few weeks ago in the FA Cup. Lehman won 3-1 at that occasion. And they might just want to repeat just that to happen. Important to remember they are without Jordi Taris, But instead, we'll have Matt Lamb in their team. So in the end, this might not be too much of a change in quality for the team, and they might be looking to pick up again these three points against Dreams. Dreams, on the other hand, let's not forget they are still third in the Hong Kong Premier League and want to stay up there, probably now without Cheng Chin-Lung, who has returned to Kichi. He was quite an important player in there, still young, got a lot of playing time, important time for him at Dreams but now they might struggle a bit to find a right replacement and in this case I would probably still back up Liman to again beat dreams in O. and then on Sunday night probably the biggest game of this round Kichi versus Salvan I think there's still some myth around Salvan who was the last team that defeated Kichi in the Premier League. Of course Yun Long just beat Kichi in the senior shield, but the last defeat in the league really dates back to last January against Salvan. And January Salvan have been a quite difficult opponent for Kichi, although they have been struggling a bit with their attacking performances, especially with some of the injured players and also the suspension of Marco Espada. Regarding Kichi we are not sure yet if Diego Volan will have his first appearance. It is rather unlikely I would say but nonetheless he might be already there in the stadium and we probably could even expect a bigger crowd of non-Premier League followers who might just go there to look out for the superstar being somewhere in the stadium and get an autograph or something. So we will see how much impact it has on the Hong Kong Premier League. if. Forlan himself can draw attendance, even if he is not playing. But it's certainly a quite exciting Premier League round. By the way, the Eastern Rangers game and the Kichi Southland game will also be on television. So check out the OnCC YouTube channel. You probably can stream the games there. And basically, this is all for this week. To be honest, I'm very much looking forward already to next week when it should be joined again here in the Hong Kong Football Podcast Headquarters by my co-host James Lag. until then have a great weekend I hope your team wins see you next week bye bye